This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Double Tap Canada, the show where blind people talk tech. Have your say. Call us, text us to 844-971-1999. That's 844-971-1999. Tweet us at Double Tap Canada and find us on Facebook. Just search for Double Tap Canada. Now here's your favorite Double Tappers. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you once again for another week of joyous technology talk with my technology-based chums. (laughs) Marco wow. Falalo's here. Hello, Marco Falalo. Hi, I think. <laughs> you are my technology-based chum. Did you not know that? It's just the tone in which it's coming out of your mouth that seems just creepy. i got to say, hello, Stephen. I can... Hi, hi. Sean Priest can... is here, by the way. Can we restart the music and maybe try this again? <laughs> it, it, no, I, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, this is as happy as you're going to get, to be fair. Yeah, we can hear the anger in your voice no matter how much you try and hide it. Can I be honest, guys? I'm going to tell you something right here now. I am not happy today. Yeah, we, we know. Shocker. Everything's terrible. I'm slightly scared. No, honestly, everything's terrible. Because, you know, I just spent the last two hours trying to get my Mac off the beta <laughs> that it's on. <gasps> oh, yes. I've gone through time machine backup after time machine backup. And, you know, I'm saying as all this is happening, right? I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to talk about time machine today. And, you know, it's one of those forgotten treasures of the Mac. You can just take your Mac right back to where you started Mm -hmm. from. No matter what day of the week, no matter what time, I can go right back to post WWDC, pick a point in time. (laughs) And uh, I did that. Didn't work. No, you're well, I mean, the time it. machine backup worked. The time machine backup worked, but not the not the changing, not getting rid of no, the pizza. No, it doesn't that, take yeah, the it, operating system. It doesn't back. do the OS. No, no, no. 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 no you got to you got to format and reinstall that first. And that's if you can get it back, because the whole thing with Mac is once you upgrade, it's very hard to get it to go back. It's like DFU mode or something you got to put it into. Yeah. Same with the oh. phone. Well, can't you do a, like a network recovery on it? Doesn't that download the latest official release of the OS? Right, I think Mark? you have to erase. First of all, you have to erase Ventura, and reinstall Monterey. Then you can restore the time machine backup. If you, you have, have a time do, machine backup from before Ventura, yeah, <laughs> which I do. Good. Okay. So that was one of the things. So I had this two terabyte drive line around, and I thought, what will I do with it? It's one of those. Um, Throw it away. It's nothing. Two, yeah, a lot of rubbish. Two terabyte SSD, really, really nice hard drive. And I thought, what am I going to do with this? I am going to plug it in and use it as a time machine backup. And am I glad I did? Because now I've got this backup, should I need it? Yeah. Um, I can see me going back to the Apple Store with this one, though, guys, because I'm already failing. Oh, wait, wait. You've got about a 1,000 Macs there. So, I mean, in, in one way, you can fix this. It's going to be fine, Stephen. But the problem is I've run out of patience. I'm two hours in and I've run out of patience. <laughs> you see, enough. we can't fix all of your problems, Stephen. <laughs> The technological yes, ones we can help with. <laughs> Just throw it away and order a new one. Uh, do you know what? I was sitting here thinking, I wonder how long it would take me to get a brand new iMac set out. Because honestly, it'd be so much easier. If I still if I still got a return window on this one, I could just send this back. <laughs> okay, okay. Send what's it back so- with Ventura. <laughs> what's that? And get a new one, hoping that it has Monterey. What's Please so bad? don't put the beta on it. What, what's oh, so bad about Lord. the beta? Well, the thing is, right, they, they always say don't, Put your beta. We know, yeah, yeah. Everyone doesn't. No one cares. And everyone doesn't know that. I know. Well, everyone knows it, but it doesn't stop us doing it. And Mark Aflalo on this very show last week said, "I just put it on. What could possibly go wrong?" But listen, hang on a second. I put it on a backup phone. I put it on a backup computer. I put it. I have don't have an iPad yet, so I'm going to put it on a backup iPad. I did not make the mistake that I've made every single year prior (laughs) and install this on my main device. Albeit I should, because I have done it in the past, not really thinking about the f- the subsequent following months when I'd be traveling and, and need yes. my phone for, I don't know, things Nothing that are important. Works. Whereas yes. this time around, I'm yes. going to be home. So like I really couldn't care less if my phone rings or not. Like I got another phone here. There's so no- now I should install it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> It's a developer, right? When it, it, it's a beta, it's fine. These things are to be expected. This is us being stupid. This is nothing to do with Apple, right? This is on us. Well, yeah, it is on us. You're right. And I must say, you know, overall, the beta has been okay. There are some kinks to it. I mean, there's a few voiceover bugs. One, um, which I do love, which seems to, it only seems to exist with voiceover turned on, 
is that a Safari just refreshes itself every so often, randomly. Now, that's okay if it's not an input field you're doing. So if you're trying to upload something, say, or, or maybe you're working on a, a document online, like WordPress, for example, you might be on uh -oh. WordPress putting in the information, <laughs> and it just randomly refreshes. You've written your you know perfect description of your blog, and then it just refreshes and loses a lot, and you're like, okay, thanks, that was great. And then it does it a second time, you think, oh, great. Well, it adds an element of surprise, doesn't it? It makes it more exciting. It gets the work done quicker, I'll tell you that. It's like buckaroo. But digital form. <laughs> and is it gonna but second no. What was that game your kids were playing, Mark? The the thing with the not pie face, but there was something the kids were playing when we were over. I can't remember the name Whoa, of it. That oh thing. toilet trouble. Toilet trouble. That was yeah, the yeah, that's toilet a, flushes yeah. in your face. Yeah, it's always fun. Well that's that's basically now my life. <laughs> toilet trouble. Toilet trouble. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was his life before, guys. We just don't want to get into that on the show. But the iPhone uh, iOS beta is actually not too bad. I mean, look, you have to be very careful. No, it's it's fine. It's actually all right. And it's not the fine. new voices are good. Um, I'm quite enjoying using it. I'm not having any major issues with it at all. Don't listen to him. not major either. Fairness, I've got no just, email just on my iPhone. No email. I can't get any email at all. The account is also that's your excuse constantly. No, 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 no. I've got. You don't on... know how mail clients. I've been work. trying to get in touch with Sean. Why is he not answering me? Uh, because yeah. you sent him an email. <laughs> I don't do emails. That's it's the same as faxes. I don't do emails. But no, I sent no... him an email. I tried calling him and text him. Nothing worked. <laughs> I faxed him too, and he didn't get through. Oh, you know, I, I think the fax is okay. <sighs> All right, that's it. I'm leaving it alone. No, actually, it's it's not too bad. I don't see the point of the new voices yet. I'll be honest. I'm hoping there's a reason for it. Like, point I don't of the new voices. I don't want the old Mac voices. Why put them on there? I I, I don't know what the reasoning is behind that. But hey, whatever. But there are a few. You, hang on, you don't issues. understand the reasoning behind adding new voices? No, yeah, the old voices. Why are they putting the novelty voices on? I mean, they're unusable, right? Oh, As you voices. mean like um, bubbles and organ? Yes, yes, bad news and all that. Junior. Have you tried? I, I must admit, I did find that a bit weird. I did find that a bit weird. So they've got the old voice. Do you remember the old Macintosh voices, Mark, of the of, of the old machines way back? And we're talking like PowerBook time. Was it like like almost, almost speak and spell type sound? Kind of thing, yeah. So these were really basic voices, but what, some of the very first text-to-speech. And yeah, they've added them all into the Mac for some reason and into iOS as well. It's pointless. I, I don't get it. I, I don't know why. I'm hoping that, like I say, I'm hoping there's a reason behind it that they're simply they, they've re maybe they've done it from scratch the the whole synth uh, segment. I, I honestly don't know. But it's just strange mm. that those voices are on there because let's be fair, they're unusable to use as a screen reader, right? You can't use them. Oh yeah, you can't have organ reading out your emails. <laughs> I have sent you an email. <laughs> it's all very now you said that. ridiculous. Sounds quite oh, good actually. God. I mean, it might be fine for the odd announcement, the time. It's 12.41. You know, that's fine. <laughs> Actually, that's not, not, that's not, not a bad point because you can set, you know, specific uh, uh, tasks to have specific voices, right? So yeah, maybe, that's right. Maybe you're right, over. Stephen. I'm just not creative enough. I take it all back. You are correct. Well, you know, what can I say? I am a creative a genius. Don't end on that. No, that sounds terrible. I was, was going to say <laughs> no. No, I want to end on that. I'm fine with that. I'm fine to move on on just that point. And stick around because Sean has got some complaints. He's angry as well this week. And if he's not angry yet, we'll make him angry. Ooh. That's my plan today. Um, because uh, you are angry over Quick Assist and Windows 11. <gasps> yes. We're going to get into that in a minute. Stick around. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Double Tappers. Want to get involved? Call the show now at 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca and have your say. This is Double Tap Canada. It's a tech show. Honest. It is a tech show and uh, we are talking tech with the one and only Marka Flalalalalo. Hello. Hello. Oh, and me as well, Stephen Scott. Hello. Oof. Oh, no, Lady oh. A is getting involved in this as well. Oh, um, she doesn't appear to know any of us. So there you go. That's um, that's not worked <laughs> out so well for our careers. Uh, listen, uh, Sean is not very impressed at the minute because, and, and you know you're not alone in this. I'm seeing some people starting to complain, oh, bubble really? up and get annoyed about this. Oh, good. The issues around Quick Assist on Windows 11, which suggests that it's not just your problem. Let's first off maybe explain what the issue is, Mr. Priest. Hang on. Why would you even think it's just my problem? I, that's not how it works. Um, and this mm. isn't just Windows 11, by the way. So Quick Assist is the built-in assistance app uh, for Windows, right? It's, it's a great idea. So 
let's say you want to give someone support. They're having problems with their computer and you want to remote into their computer and take over and sort out the problem. Well, before it was, you know, you'd have to download a third party app like TeamViewer or whatever it may be. Uh, not difficult in itself, but it's an extra barrier if you're talking to someone and trying to support someone who's new to computers. So quick assist built into Windows, simply press Windows control and the letter Q to bring up quick assist. And you type in the number, they type in their number and you connect and you sort out the computer. All lovely dovely. Perfect idea, I thought. Except recently someone said, hey, Quick Assist now allows you to hear the audio on someone else's computer because, sadly, it wasn't really accessible to us. I mean, the app itself is accessible, but if I control someone else's computer, I can't hear what the screen reader is doing on their computer because it doesn't transmit the audio. So it was a, eh, not really for us, right? So someone said, oh, they, they fixed that. Now, that turns out not to be true anyway, so don't rush on that. Oh, you still, you still okay. can't hear audio. But Point is, I tried it, and now when you press that keyboard shortcut or or open Quick Assist, it simply says, hey, you need to update to the new version. Okay, that's fine. I can do that. I, I was a little bit confused why it hadn't Windows updated anyway. But the new version is Windows Store only. Now, I, that's red flags for me straight away. All right, I get alarm bells when I hear Windows Store because eh, it's always a bit clunky, but fine. So I go to the Windows Store and I download it, I install it, and I think that's it now. So I hit Windows, Control, and Q keyboard shortcut to bring up Quick Assist. And it comes up and it says, hey, you need to update. Go to the window. I thought, hang on, I've just done this. So you tab along that, that message a little bit. and It says, if you've already installed it, click here. What? So, okay, do that. And then you get two versions of Quick Assist running, the new one and the old one, which is the old one just telling you to update. It, the, the, key, the keyboard shortcut no longer uh, goes to the new version. It still goes to the old version. It is so confusing. And to make matters worse, in the support page from Microsoft, it says, look, in Windows 11, it will update. We are hoping that we will make the keyboard shortcut uh, stick to the new version. But in Windows 10, we've got no plans to do that. So if you're trying to help someone in Windows 10, now, it's no longer easy. It's no longer, okay, just press this and we'll get started. Oh, that's, a, that's horrific. I mean, if you don't know how to use a computer, or you're struggling with a computer. Yeah, exactly. And you've got The whole it, point of Quick Assist was to be able to easily get onto their system, not to have to try and educate them on how to use Microsoft <laughs> quick Windows Store. Quick Assist. And if you've got two versions running of the same app, it's even more confusing. So, ah, oh, it is... It's such a... I just don't understand their thinking on it at all. So hang on. So you mentioned that the issue that we thought was fixed, or at least that you hoped was fixed, on, on being able to hear the computer on the other side. Yes. That's not fixed either. No, no. I mean, that was just someone talking about it to me. In you know, This wasn't an official source or anything. It was just a friend of mine saying, oh, no, I've used it. But it turned out they were talking about remote desktop um, because I was saying a quick ah, assist right. would be great but you just can't, you know, you can't use another person's computer and hear their screen reader because there's no audio transmission between the two. Whereas remote desktop is a different thing and you can use that. But, you know, quick assist is just, as, as the name suggests, quick assistance. It should be such, it was such a good idea. Yet this update, for whatever reason, is done so badly that it just ruins the whole concept of it. I don't understand. Well, the implementation is is poor i guess and it seems as if this is going to be the standard for most microsoft products going forward for most microsoft apps because we saw notepad do the same thing you had to upgrade it on windows 10 via the microsoft yeah, store odd. yeah yeah so it seems to be things are moving into the store rather than being part of the os I don't know if that's just a way of, of maybe breaking get, it down a bit. I don't know. Maybe but, the, maybe this is moving towards the way it'll be for ARM. Maybe that's how it'll work. Where you sort of you know you add in the features instead of instead of being features, they are separate applications you can go and download. You know what? Honestly, I don't care if if my, Microsoft wants to make their own app store that that be in the Windows Store. Go for your life. That's all power to you. But let's make the apps at least comparable to the uh, the non Windows Store apps because again. Quick Assist, uh, the one that's built into the system, was perfectly accessible. This one, I can't use NVDA with, 
I, there's no navigation well, through the content. Hang on, so, right, so this is actually less accessible than the one you had. Yeah, I didn't even mention this yet. Yeah, the new version of Quick Assist, I can't get, gain focus using NVDA. Now, I haven't tried Jaws. I have used Narrator, and eventually it did give me focus, but it was very much delayed as well. I have no idea oh. why. So, again, you know, why? What is the reason for moving it? There better be a damn good reason that they're making it Windows Store only and giving us a, a worse uh, experience with it. And Windows 11, of course, as you're saying, is, is going to try and bring it back together again. So you download it, the, the command will work, and no doubt they'll try and implement new features. Yeah, well, in Windows 11, I, my other laptop, which is running on the Insider program, it actually already has been fixed as to I can press Windows Control Q and it does bring up the new Windows Store version. Only of, on Windows 11. Of Quick Assist. But, and, and that's in the uh, Insider preview. So that's the next future update. So that will be coming to the official Windows 11 at some point. So that's okay. not so bad. But again, it's still not accessible using NVDA at least. So that brings up you know, massive warning signs for me. Why is it suddenly uh, uh, accessibility a problem with Quick Assist? And so also, Windows F is going to be your friend here, right? Why? Oh, feedback, F yes. Brings up the feedback window. <laughs> Let them know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I definitely will be. Um, but it's, it's just so annoying because I thought Quick Assist was actually one of those really, oh, man, this is such a good idea. It's so helpful. And it's just ruined. That's very interesting, actually. I didn't realize it was as deep as that, right? Okay. I just thought it was a version change and, and you had to go and get it from the App Store, but I didn't realize it had all those issues. If I mean, it was, these are things I imagine will get resolved, though, right? I mean, oh, they, not they, they have to forever. be. They need to be. They can't leave it like this. It's terrible. But as I said, in their support page, they say for Windows 10 users, there's no plans to make that keyboard shortcut link to the new version. It's still linked to yeah. the old one. I'm less bothered about that because I think, well, at the end of the day, we're going to move on to Windows 11 anyway. So it's not as if, you know, it's only when it comes to Microsoft that there's this hesitance to move up to the new operating system. I mean, aside me moving up to the OS beta on Mac, which, you know, caused me problems. That was a beta, right? That was a choice I made to make that, that leap. And a lot of people, it's advised you don't do that. Whereas, you know, when you get a new operating system, once, you know, the, the new Ventura is out... Most people will just jump onto it. They'll just go for it because, you know, most more often than not, these, these issues are, most issues are resolved and you know, it's certainly more stable. So people are less hesitant to move on. Whereas with Windows, you know, there's people still holding on to Windows 7. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Windows XP. Windows XP, XP. Second edition. Yeah. I mean, you know, who, who's, who says? I am still using Windows <laughs> CE. On my oh, iPhone. CE. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I'm on 3.1 DOS over here. So well, fine. 3.11. I, I can't beat that. <laughs> Let's not forget 3.11. 3.11, yeah. D-E-L right. space star dot star. <laughs> oh, my God. It takes you back, doesn't it? Calm down. How many times have I deleted someone's entire operating system with one command by mistake? Could you do that in mine I right didn't now? mean minus <laughs> R. I didn't mean everything. <laughs> oh, dear. Those are the days you could just easily delete an operating system. If yeah. only it was so easy now. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad to see that there's there's movement on it. It does sound like I mean, I'm I'm pleased if they start bringing in new features. And one major feature they have to bring in is the ability to hear the audio from the other side, because that makes it a truly yes um, useful function. Now, just also just to expand this out for people who are wondering. So if you do have NVDA, there is, and you're connecting to someone with NVDA, there's NVDA Remote. Is that right? There is. Yes, I, I've got to say I haven't had much luck with that. Um, now. This could be because in some cases, and I think the majority of the cases, you need to go into your router settings and set up port forwarding. You'll know oh, about that, Mark. It. Yeah, exactly. It's like I, I understand the concept of it, but honestly, I don't want to do it. And average users are not going to do it. You that. know what like, I just realized is that the the settings in a router or a router, as you might call it, Correctly. are yes. so inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Ah, I know. Most, most of the interfaces are not accessible. That's the problem. But yeah, you're right. I mean, even from a... Even from a point-and-click point of view, they're not the most simple or, or easy. And even if it's not easy to understand. I got the Netgear Orby, and um, it's got its own app, and even the app on the iPhone. Yeah, even not, the app, not I can imagine, is very good. Yeah. No, it's not. I must say that that's, that's a better implementation, is it not? If you can get, I mean, assuming, of course, it's accessible, if you can get an application, I'd much rather use an app 
often have to delve into the the back end. I mean, you think <sighs> in some ways the back end would be easier. I remember on the old routers we used to get, remember the old BT ones here in the UK, the old British Telecom ones. Yeah, it'd be a little bit easier to navigate because they were quite simple. Well, it's just a basic web page, right? All the router yeah, settings exactly. are all a basic web page. But when they try and go fancy and put Flash or Java or whatever else yeah. in there, then it totally ruins it in most cases. But yeah, I would say that going through on the uh, website um, side of your router is probably the best way to go. But um, yeah, I haven't found... Yeah, we should put a call app. out on that one. We should put a call out to people. So if you... If you're using a if you're blind and using routers, because I know there's lots of people out there who are really into their routers. Which which are the most accessible? Which are the ones that you're enjoying using? I'd be That's really a good point. To hear what people think. Yeah. Are there any particular brands that are better than others? Because you know, in the blind world, you maybe don't get as much choice as you'd like. Well, or maybe it's easier. I don't know. It's so, it's one of those things you sort of set and forget, isn't it? You know, if it's not provided by your internet provider, then you you, you get it once you set it up. Um, with your own little password and SSID and all that, and then you just never go into it again. Well, ideally, you shouldn't now. have to. That when it's when you have to, that you're like, oh god. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is this is where I'm at at the minute because I want to set, I want to reset everything in my home. I've decided that I'm I'm pulling away from the IKEA Oof. system of lights that I've got, and I'm moving towards Philips Hue. Boo. I want all those smart lights in. And actually, in some ways, it's quite easy because you've got the bridge. And you just hook everything to the bridge, and then that's it, right? Everything just just goes through to HomeKit or to the Amazon Echo, and it can pick up and connect, and and you can just essentially connect to the service. But the hub is doing all the work, and that's then really simple. Yes. Um, but it's it's also right now trying to work out the whole kind of right. I want mesh networking in. We've got two network connections in the house: one for me for my work and what I do. And we have the home network, if you like. So it's trying to work all that out, whether I bridge them or whether I leave them separate, as I have at the moment. This is why I wish I lived in the UK sometimes. I could just come over there and fix all this for you. It would be so much easier. Yeah. You could just come here. Just move, Mark. Could we Could we just get Mark on a plane and just he could solve all our problems? That's actually, you know, that's how you get to the UK. I just wanted to let you know in case you were wondering how to Thank get you. there from Canada. <laughs> I was wondering. There's a boat. I was, I was wondering how Surely. to go back. Wasn't that wasn't that a boat? Um, that it it did boat? feel like it, the amount of hours you were spent on that. Uh, yes, <laughs> I probably could have got back quicker on a boat. Yeah. No, Mark. Um, sorry, sorry, Stephen. Mark, yeah. you're you're the router guy, right? I mean, you're into that. Okay. What's what's the uh, what's the top notch router at the moment? Sorry. You know what? It really does come down to I'm a preference right. sometimes. <laughs> um, I I have always sworn by Linksys. Uh, who are now owned by Cisco, so they've got incredible oh, uh, engineering. Yeah, yeah. Good. So they've got incredible, you know, engineering behind them in terms of experience. Um, and Linksys was one of the first that really pioneered mesh networking with their Velop. Um, so I, 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 and their newer ones with Wi-Fi 6E and everything are phenomenal devices. Ooh. So if you're looking for an easy way to, and, and quite easy to set up with an app and everything, and you can add nodes as you go if you find the coverage isn't great in your house, you can always distance them into, into different areas to get better coverage. Funny enough, one of the biggest mistakes I think you see people make when they install these mesh networking nodes is that they put them too far. Mm. And you have to think of it as, uh, you know, think of your focal point. This is where your internet starts in the middle. Let's say it's in the middle of your house. Putting the other node at the far end isn't going to give you internet there unless it's hardwired right? Unless it's hardwired back yeah. to the center. If you're trying to repeat a wireless signal, you actually want to go as close as you can to where the main one is so it gets a really good signal to then repeat even further. So people yeah. don't necessarily realize that. So start from the middle. Don't go all the way to the point that you want to go. Do about halfway between where you want to get to and where your actual main router is and you'll get the best coverage. But yeah, Linksys, definitely good. People who want to go into the prosumer lineup, I always recommend Ubiquity. They've got a oh, great yes. interface and they set up really easily now. Again, they also set up with an app and you can go really simple kind of consumer type setup or you can go absolutely crazy like i did and have you know multiple switches uh, network video recorders and all this stuff going on in my house um and, and they're not that expensive that's why i always recommend ubiquity you can get their basic router that's you know called a dream machine that really does everything for under 600 dollars, which is a good buy for what you're getting <laughs> Yeah, we, we were thinking of the free ones you get yeah, off the, exactly. the network provider, right? And you're talking six hundred. Yeah, no, don't don't. You, but but that's, you, you that's get what you pay for, you can, guys. You get what you pay for. 
but you can build on that system, right? So you could you can start small. You can start with that one thing, oh, absolutely. Like, and they just totally build on top. I think absolutely. there's certainly there's certainly more of a need these days for mesh networking at homes. I mean, with the amount of devices we have, I was thinking right now. So we have we have outside lighting just on the soffits of the house, just around the edge of the house. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And I was thinking right now, if I put in smart lights, because I've been having this debate with myself whether I put a smart switch in to where the the lights all connect, or do I put individual smart bulbs in? (gasps) Smart bulbs. Oh, you can make the house breathe, and you could make it dance. Oh, it'd be amazing. Well, I was thinking about this, because I was thinking, well, for example, if I wanted the buyer, make it breathe. If I can, I also have this great idea, right, that I can let the neighbours know if there's a problem just by turning the entire house red. You can. (laughs) (laughs) Just like this idea of, you know, asking Amazon Echo, Emergency, emergency, the house just goes red. Starts flashing. It'll be like but, those little car alarms. No one pays attention. It's yeah, just exactly. No one would care. You'd have to tell oh, the alarm. Why is he annoying me today? No one cares. <laughs> they might just think you're in the mood for love. So you'd have to tell them, explain what the red light means. No, they, know, they know me well. They know uh, that's fair enough. Uh, but no, I, I, the only thing there is you're thinking, well, okay, they would need to be fairly close because they're outside the house, essentially. They need to be fairly close to networking. So you'd need to have mesh all over the house to. One in the attic. Again, yes. unless you're doing what you were doing, which is you're doing hue, and the bridge is really all that needs to be plugged in, and then everything else should really like. I've got lights going pretty far out in my backyard, probably mm. about a good, I don't know, a good three hundred feet away. Hue lights outside, and right. they have no problem hitting that that hub, which is in my basement behind brick. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. At that yeah. distance, yeah, yeah, but hang on, does doesn't they, they're a mesh on their own, aren't they? Don't they? The, the way they, they create work is their the... own mesh from each other, yes, yes, exactly. So right. that's why I'm saying you might want to go with Hue for those because you can get the Hue LED pucks and pop them in your soffits, or just change the switch. Yeah, well, the switch is one option. Yeah, but but hang on, so are you saying that Philips Hue lights create their own mesh as well? From yes. Yes, yes, they within themselves, so they create their own network. They're on their so own. So one frequencies. bulb connects to essentially can sense to the next, sense to the next, and that's Correct. how you can get. That's interesting. And and the alternative also is I the way I've done it again because I've gone ubiquity is there was an opportunity when I had my basement all the way open, like it's mm-hmm. on the back of my house, so there was no no drywall or any rock or anything up there. Um, so I actually put a conduit in from the outside of my house in the back that goes in my ceiling down to a room, a rack room, a little like a storage room that I have here in my house. So I actually have a ubiquity access point outside in a sealed box, a waterproof box facing outwards. So it's beaming wireless to my backyard as well. So when we want to work out there in the summer, I have no issue whatsoever. I mean, I have no issue going down almost half a block and getting coverage. And half your neighbors probably are the same. Yeah, God bless you, Mark. (laughs) <laughs> giving off internet to the entire street. Listen, I've helped enough people with internet in my city that I could probably get by if I was homeless just parking <laughs> outside certain people's houses <laughs> to get internet access. So, Well, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? Always is. Always is. <laughs> if I end up homeless, at least I'll have internet access. Well, you know, every cloud, that's what they say. Um, every cloud right, service. Yes, well you cloud service. Thank you. Mark's homeless. There you go. Um, Right, look, stick around because uh, Mark is going to talk about a talk show, not this one. Next. Double Tap Canada will be back after this. This is Double Tap Canada. Have your say right now. Call or text 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca. Now back to the show. So uh, we were, I haven't seen this yet, but there was a talk show that was done just after WWDC, Apple's event recently, and uh, we saw some of the big players of Apple actually sitting down and having quite a frank discussion with uh, the renowned tech journalist John Gruber, having a long conversation about, uh, well, everything, frankly, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I mean, he's done this now, I think this is the fourth or fifth year that he's sat down with... um, uh, what's his name? Craig Federighi and and Jaws. I don't remember his full name. Um, after a WWDC filmed at Apple's campus, and they haven't done this mm. in a couple of years on and in person. They've done it kind of virtually. Um, but it, it's a really good opportunity to kind of listen uncensored, I guess, as uncensored as Apple would be 
in terms of their answers um, mm. and the questions that are asked. Um, you know, there's always, obviously always some level of secrecy in terms of talking about new features that we don't know about or anything we don't know about. But the cool thing about WWDC is that they've basically just taken the wraps off of a lot of stuff they've been working on. So it gives an opportunity for, for us to learn a little bit more about the nuances behind what's coming up. And, and some interesting things came up in this conversation and it's available on YouTube and, and podcasts. Just look up the talk show uh, with John Gruber. And, and what have one of the things I found interesting is the the new settings pane or the system preferences pane in Mac OS Ventura and the new operating system is completely different. It's a, it's a, a very different interface. It's less icon driven, like yep. we know in system preferences now. And more it's Windows more, 11, actually. Yeah, okay, yeah, we got the sidebar going on mm-hmm. with settings on the right. And yep. one of the things that uh, someone was complaining about that John Gruber brought up was that some of the the how-to videos or some of the the features were so buried and nested in in system settings or or how whatever they call it now that it was hard to find and people were complaining about it and and Greg Federighi was very quick to say listen guys there's a reason we call these things betas and we really do mean they are betas and these these are definitely things that we are working on and will not be in the final release of the product we're going to fix a lot of the stuff when building new features into software. You've got to put settings somewhere. And sometimes by default, it just ends up buried. And, and they realize over time that it's a little bit too buried and they need to bring it out to the forefront a bit. And he talked about that stuff. And of course, they dove into features like stage manager, which is the new way to use your desktop with things stacked to your left and why that is only you know, compatible with M1 chips. And the reason is quite simple is that they tried it with Intel and it just wasn't working the way they wanted it to. It wasn't as smooth. It wasn't utilizing masses amount of memory um, the way that Apple allocates the memory because Apple in their M1 chips, you know, they can really create as much RAM as they need when they need it. Whereas on Intel, you're limited to what the physical chips are in your computer. So it works with those hardware, that hardware differently and he explained that you know this is one of the reasons that you know even though people are complaining that it's not going to work on their Intel based iPads, that um, that it only works on the M1. It just didn't work the way they wanted it to, so they unfortunately had to limit it to the M1 chip, which is something that I think that we're all going to get kind of used to as we head down yeah, this they, road. They, people people were mourning last year there weren't enough new M1 features. Now they're saying, hang on, M1 specific features. I want features for my ancient old ipad pro over here it's not pro anymore <laughs> i i think we like, in this on, business guys. i think we in this business know that anybody will make uh, be able to find an argument about absolutely anything in any way they want you know i could argue anything today? and find some article online somewhere that agrees <laughs> with me yeah, exactly yeah and that's the problem right but no i mean we have to be realistic I and mean, that the, the transition is to m1 there has to be specifics and they're not they're not building for intel or for the previous generations anymore it has to be for m1 going forward that benefits all of us and it will mean you'll have to buy new stuff get over it that's how this works listen i mean i'm curious what the numbers are in terms of the amount of people that that cycle through different devices on a yearly or or every couple of years but i'm sure that we are not a minority anymore that upgrade our phone every year especially with the incentives and the I mean, Apple has their own program where you can get an iPhone, pay monthly, and just get the new one next year. It's not even a question. It just shows up at your door. So I think we're getting into a world where we've created this world where all these products are almost, well, they, they are recyclable, really, yeah. or disposable. Can I just say that I think for you, Mark, maybe more so than for us, the iPad is becoming a contender now. It's becoming an actual laptop, right? I mean, it's, it's getting close. It's not quite the MacBook yet. But it's certainly moving in that direction. Um, I mean, look at Stage Manager, right? I mean, that, that everyone's raving about the fact now you can get full screen applications on external monitors. Yeah, but not the right. <laughs> yes, yes, and no. Um, yes, it's you get full screen. That's nice. You've got, now got a keyboard and mouse control. Okay, so it acts more like a desktop computer. But the software is still limited. There are still features that are not available on iPad versions of software. And if I if I think Think simple, think just Microsoft, you know, think Word and Excel. It's mm. just not exactly the same. It's not that same experience, regardless of an external display or not. So shortcuts and things that normally would have worked on a desktop, whether it was Mac or PC, still don't necessarily work the same way on an iPad. 
And especially when it goes to those, you know, higher end workflows, you know, in the audio and video editing sphere. And I know we're only a small percentage of the market, but that's my limitation that until until I can use Adobe Premiere or Adobe Audition on my iPad natively and load sessions and things that I've done off an external hard drive or local storage, it's not going to replace my laptop. You know, yeah. I can do video calls. I can plug in external cameras now. I can plug in external audio interfaces. It definitely is a great quick turn this on and get stuff going. But in, I can't take that stuff afterwards and manipulate it the way I can on a desktop. And until I can do that, it's not going to be a full contender. I'm looking forward to that day. It definitely should be a contender now, because if you think about the power of these processors, right? Yeah. I mean, stick an M2 in an iPad. It's basically as powerful as the you know, MacBook Pro 13 inch now. So don't tell me it can't do it. You're you're limiting it, and I'm surprised that no one has figured it out. Yeah, but why? Why? What? What? What is the point of it then? Over a MacBook, what is the point of the iPad? If all we're saying is, oh, if it was more like Mac OS, then why bother? The the only difference is is portability and the touch interface, isn't it? And if we're saying that the touch interface is actually the problem here, that is the reason we can't be unless we bang a mouse and a keyboard on it, then. It's never going to be equivalent to a MacBook or a laptop or a desktop. Then why bother? I, I don't. Why is it trying to take the place of the MacBook? Well, you know, it's Apple's own marketing that says you know the iPad is a computer. They're the ones putting it out there. Yeah, I just don't understand why. I mean, there there must be a final goal, right? They're they're at least five years ahead in what's where they're going. So, but I, iPad. I I honestly mm-hmm. I can't I can't believe. I would have to think that in the next 10 years, we're going to just be able to plug our phone into a, a keyboard, a mouse, and a monitor and do everything we need to do. Well, that's a really mm. good point, actually. You know, I mean, we'll look at Samsung, what they've done with Dex. Now, it's not yeah. quite there, but it's that's the idea. I mean, you can take that device, you can plug it into a computer or plug it into a monitor, and it turns into a computer with that yeah. plug in a keyboard and mouse, and away you go. I've got one of those Samsung monitors where you can plug you know, a device straight into like a Samsung phone, which is perfect for that. You've got USBs in the back, you can plug in a keyboard and mouse, and suddenly you've got a fully fledged computer in there. Um, you but know, you're still limited. But you're still limited at what you can run on that, right? Of you're still you limited, yeah. and it's still not that desktop familiar experience. I think what people who not far want off this, the Samsung case. Well, I think what people who really want this are imagining is plug in your iPad and suddenly that your taskbar is up there. You see your folders in your desktop. Like literally you plug in your iPad and suddenly you've got your desktop computer, which yep. arguably it can do. It's well, got that, the processing it's, it's power to do cake. it. It's a self-eating cake because it's the whole Apple ecosystem is, is basically eating itself as we go. And at some point, you know, they're going to have to create something else because all we're going to be left with is an iPhone. And we wouldn't even, can't even call it an iPhone anymore because it's so much more. I mean, really, frankly, it should never even be called a phone anymore. No. Because most people don't even use it as a phone. No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. The last thing they use it for. You know, it's, it's an iComputer. It's an iMac. Hey, there's I, an idea. Call you know, it an iMac. I, you know, I'd <laughs> have to believe, you know, I, I agree with you that they're looking, they're looking five years out at least. Yeah, but I don't think anybody really sees. I don't think anybody, even if they want to see that world in ten years from now, where we might all just have a phone that plugs into a display, or an iPad that plugs into a display, or or something that just is there. Um, I think we're we're no one really knows what that future is yet, and I think things like Stage Manager are small little things software wise that they are doing to unify the two experiences. It's yep. not really unifying it the way we expect or way that the small percentage of us want to see it. But I think it's a little push in that direction to see what people react and how they react to it. If they start using it in droves, and I bet you Apple knows exactly who's going to be using that and who's not, hmm. that, that that's going to be how they inch their way towards it. And I've spoken to people at software development companies, some of the major ones, some of the ones I've you know mentioned before, and I've asked about the touch interface, and they've said, listen – you know, let's use Photoshop for an example, okay? There are so many small little buttons and nuances and settings that just aren't touch-friendly yet. Even with a pencil and a mouse, it's just not there. And and they mm. would not be satisfied releasing a product for a, a device like an iPad or a tablet that had no keyboard, that could be used natively without a keyboard or a mouse, 
that doesn't work exactly the same way. It has to be the same experience, and that's a challenge for them. Well, that's the difference between Apple and Microsoft to some degree, because and, and to other companies as well, I guess, because Apple tend to look at the software and the experience of the software on the device rather than companies like Microsoft, who you might well remember, brought out tablets years ago and never really gave much thought to the software. I mean, Microsoft Windows with a pen wasn't the greatest experience in the yeah. world anyway. And I How still about now? How about now? Do you find that experience is better? Well, I don't use it touch because, I mean, I know you can with screen readers and stuff. I don't particularly enjoy it. But it's interesting actually comparing a tablet with a screen reader to, say, an iPad with a screen reader, which feels way more natural. The than iPad Windows. feels more natural? Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. Totally natural. But again, we're coming to it from the iPhone, whereas we don't really yeah, have an equivalent. The difference with is Microsoft. The, the screen reader. If we're talking Jules, Narrator, NVDA, then. You know, touch gesture support is basic at best. Very basic. Incredibly yeah. basic. It is there, but it's very basic. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's and not it's nowhere fluid. near as, as, no, it's not fluid. And it's not like the iPhone experience at all. No, no. You know, even Android people, hardened Android people who use, who use Windows machines will admit, yeah, you know, okay, we might disagree on Android and iPhone, but yeah, Microsoft with touch and screen readers. Nah, yeah. not yet. Yeah. Way off. But do you think that's because... Apple developed a separate operating system versus Microsoft just saying, here, we're going to put Windows on a tablet and figure it out afterwards how to make it work well. Well, that's how it feels. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how it feels. It just feels like I, li- they, I, love, I mean, they've thought software second. I like the ability to to know that I can just touch something Yeah, on a Windows tablet. I don't use it often, but things like just scrolling and stuff like that, it's a very natural Coming from a phone, it's very natural to go to a computer That's and right. just touch the screen to scroll up and down. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but a lot of things I still use a keyboard for. I still use the shortcuts. Or... But if I showed you me scrolling with a screen reader on an iPad versus a Surface, for example, yeah, you would think, okay, that seems quite smooth. Even with a screen reader, that's actually quite smooth to scroll, move around on, on, a, tablet, on a Windows tablet. It's horrible. I can imagine. It's just not the same at all. I can imagine. Um, speaking of Microsoft, stick around because we are going to be talking about something else Microsoft have done this week oh, no. that has shocked the world. <laughs> or just me. I don't know. But one or the other. I guaranteed <laughs> maybe me and someone else. Or the entire world. I don't know. We'll find out next. You and Sean? This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. This is Double Tap Canada. Now back to the show. Oh, that would be the yeehaw music then. So that means it's near the end. Oh, watch, I've been having a nice conversation. Is this the last segment? This is the last bit. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Well, you, you are sounding counting. a little less angry, Stephen, so, so well done. Do you know, I, I've, chill, I've mellowed in the last hour. Have That's you? because I haven't had to fight with Mac OS Betas. They said Microsoft. Mac OS Betas. No, no, no. Do you know what? I actually it's prefer okay. that put your head the inside the program. It's okay. Oh, we've got a lovely picture of you and I. You were resting your head on my... Um, bosom. Are we bosom. allowed to say that? Yes. Is that is that a word we're allowed to use? Your moobs. Too late I, now. <laughs> well, okay. Hang on a second. Now we have got. Now we've got to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. You don't know what you missed. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was really. It was quite wild. Actually, I can't believe you said that. To be honest. Wow. After twenty-seven years, Microsoft have killed off Internet Explorer. So it's dead. Huh. Gone. I thought it was killed off last year. Um, no, I think they were killing it. They were slowly killing typical it Microsoft fashion. This is yes. a really slow death. It's like, it's like trying to get a tree out by the root. It's not easy. You know, you have to kind of, I don't know, get a, a, a shovel. Well, well done, Gardner. Wow. You obviously, well, you obviously know wow. your stuff. Well, we <laughs> know what Stephen does in his spare time. I, I got yeah. it. It's about time though, right? I mean, because like everyone using Windows XP or 7 or whatever else, just just kill it off, Internet Explorer. It had its day. But you know what? Edge is perfectly fine now. I know Edge wasn't when it first came out. It was terrible. But now it's basically Chrome. It's all fine. So Edge is the new Internet Explorer. It's good. I'm, I'm going to go and answer my door while you figure this out, Mark. Uh, so uh, good luck. Well done, you want Mark. me to figure this out? Oh, great. I'm, I'm supposed to figure sa- out what exactly am I supposed to figure out here, Sean? I'm basically saying the king is dead. Long live the king. Look, Internet Explorer, as we said, it's been dying for years. People have been... Um, advise not to use it. I don't think it's actually in the uh, start menu anymore. Anyway, is it? I mean, it's still on no, the system. No, they had to remove that because of a lot of a lot of uh, infighting. <laughs> oh, really? 
Okay, I thought it was yeah. just going to be because of security reasons, but uh, yeah, I'd, what what are people saying? Is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I, I, absolutely, everything has its time, and uh, Internet Explorer, God bless it, is terrible now, and the edge is the way to go. Well, it's funny. I had this, this diagram that I'm going to try and share if it's accessible uh, on our social media here that um, shows uh, browser usage over the years. And, you know, in, in 97, <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny. Uh, oh. in, 90, in 97, it was Netscape. Uh, then Internet Explorer started taking over. Then 99, it was Internet Explorer with 67% market share. Netscape Why? down to like 6%. I'm going really fast. 2004, Internet Explorer. Uh, 2007 Internet Explorer, like it was popular, and and really Chrome and uh, Chrome didn't even blip on the map until I don't know when Firefox started. I think with a three percent market share in 2004, it started gaining traction 2009, but never really pulling down Internet Explorer. And I think that was because of PC usage. Then Chrome came in the market. Um, let me see when Chrome came in. It crept its head in in around 2009. And really started jumping up in 2010, six percent. In 2000, uh, end of 2010, eleven percent. By 2012, it was twenty-four percent. Wow. Yeah. And and Internet Explorer was down thirty-seven, so it was really taking a hit. Stephen, we're talking about the you know, browser, you know, usage. 2013, yeah. Firefox was down to twenty-two percent. Chrome surpassed Internet Explorer with thirty-eight percent of the market. I'm not even mentioning Safari here and Opera and stuff like that. Fast forward to 2015, Chrome was 56%, Internet Explorer down to 16. I mean, so it was a slow death for Internet Explorer really over 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 the years. Back in 2019, Chrome 70%, Internet Explorer 5.22%. Wow. So they yeah. saw the writing on the wall here. Like there was there was no surprise, but at some point, you know, Internet Explorer dominated from God, I mean, from let's see what year. It was 90 98, they they were on par with Netscape, literally neck and neck. Remember Netscape? Wow, yeah. Those were the only two in the, other than Netscape, Internet Explorer, there was Mosaic at 0.9%. Then fast forward to, let's see here, 1999, Netscape started going down, 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 down. Internet Explorer just hit 80% of the market. 2000 was the year for Internet Explorer and Windows. I mean, 83%, yeah. 88% in 2001, Woo! 93% in 2002. Hey! It hit That's... as high as 94% of the market share in My... 2004. When did the European, um, you know, banning of, was it the anti-competition thing come in where you had yeah, to I choose don't... your browser? I remember that remember. when it used to it would come up with all the dialogues and choice. say you got to yes. here's all the different browsers you can have <laughs> here are all the terrible ones. Thank you. You've just made my computing experience much worse. It's like the uh, accept cookies on every single website I oh. go on every single moment of my life you, now. It yes. kills me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so ninety four percent at its peak, and then just you know Chrome when Chrome started in twenty ten, it just started getting in there and just really. It dominated. It killed. It I mean, it, speed. it cannibalized it the speed Internet of, Explorer. Yeah, yeah. yeah but the Edge, speed of the browser. But Edge, I mean, I'm, I'm going to yeah. tell you, I like Edge. Edge is actually quite good. Yeah, I do. And from an accessibility point of view, it gives you extra information. It's got its own. Um, I don't know how it does it. Aria labels or whatever that it sends back. You know, like it, it instead of saying back, it does say going back. It's just those little touches that that makes the nod to the screen reader user though you know what i mean I think am i am difference. i dreaming though that, my, that safari had a windows version at one time it did yeah it did did it yes absolutely i remember this vaguely yeah, yeah. they had a, a windows version of safari which can't remember it didn't last long it was pretty i mean it wasn't great to be fair and most times when they try and port these apps over it was never really good well, why, iTunes. what would be the point of a Safari version of Windows, I get iTunes, wasn't it? But um, that's to sell hardware, right? But why they had Safari version five for Windows? Um... But why? Why? Well, I think... Because they wanted to see if they can get a market share in it. With it. I mean, they yeah. wanted to see if they can bring that experience over to Windows. And you know what the funny thing is? Is that as popular as Chrome is and continues to be, removing Chrome from my laptop is the single move that saves my battery. Yeah. Just deleting that application from my laptop, which my battery now lasts days as opposed to hours. <laughs> on your on your MacBook Intel? On my MacBook Intel. Yes, wow. that's an absolute killer. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't I know what it a, is. I had a MacBook Air 2020. Remember the one that, that came out just before the M1? Yes. 
and I took it back because the M1 came out. And I put Chrome on it. I was doing some user testing for someone, and they were on Zoom, and I'm on Chrome. I couldn't hear them with headphones on because my machine was almost bursting into flames. <laughs> yeah. And all I was doing was running like a basic website. Nothing really particularly tasking, but the fans were going wild, the heat off this thing. My, I, I actually thought my screen was misting up. There, there, should, there should have been a disclaimer that said, installing Chrome may lead to heat rash or may, <laughs> lead to, may lead to burns or something. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was about the memory usage, but it killed. Like so, I only use it on my desktop. I never use it on a laptop anymore. I stay far, far away from it. Well, funnily enough, we're using Chrome to connect here. Correct. Uh, because this is the only platform that this works on. It's strange with this this application or this web app, Riverside. It only works on Chrome, but it doesn't work on a Chromebook. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> when you think about it, yeah. wouldn't that be the, the simplest and best way to use a web app like this on uh, a Chromebook? Perfect. Doesn't yeah. work. Makes no You'd sense think. at all. Why is that? What is that about? I mean, it's I Chrome, know. right? I love so... it, though. I love it when tech does that. It makes absolutely no oh. sense, but it just is what it is. Totally bizarre. Uh, listen, we're almost out of time, but thank you guys once again. Always well, good to get together. What was at the door? Yeah. Oh, oh well, you see... So you know I bought a hard drive the other day. Oh, it's a long when... story. Never mind. Have a good day. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a very long story. <laughs> I bought a hard drive. Uh, Mark suggested it to me. I should buy this hard drive. So I, I put it in my basket, did one of those immediate, you know, midnight, let's Uh-oh. just buy this, purchases. Then realized how much money it actually was. I thought I was buying it in Canadian dollars at 531. Oh, wow. Turned out it was actually pounds. Um, so, oh. yeah. That's, that's the lovely UPS ladies being just taken it back. Uh, NVMe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's gone back. It's gone back. I was like, I'm not paying that. Well for done. A hard it's ridiculous. You have got a limit. We found Stephen's limit. Got controls. I've got wow. control back in my life. But he'll go buy another iMac so that Matt Monterey's on it. Nothing. Yeah. 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 I, I'm getting rid of this Ventura thing. That's gone. That's going back to the store. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening and keep your feedback coming. Call 1-844-971-1999 and leave us a voicemail. Email feedback at ami.ca. We're also on Twitter at DoubleTap Canada and on Facebook. Can't wait till next week? Ask your smart speaker to play DoubleTap Canada or listen on the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening. Catch you again next time. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.